Today's scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We don't know exactly what Paul and Silas and maybe Luke said to Lydia and all the women who were praying by the river under the trees just outside of the Greek city of Philippi. We don't know what he told them, but whatever it was, was something that convinced them to want to believe. I kind of have an inkling that it wasn't that they said what they believed, but why they believed. Why is it that there were Christians? Why were they followers of Christ? I suppose suppose they told their stories of why they followed Jesus. We know the response. Lydia was the first Christian convert in Europe. She is one of the founding mothers of Christianity. Why do you think Christianity appealed to her? Maybe she realized being wealthy and of high social status that, that, that it doesn't matter how much influence and power and money you have, it doesn't bring you happiness and purpose and meaning. Maybe she saw that there was such joy in Silas and Paul that she wanted to have that kind of joy as well. Maybe that's what got her attention. Maybe she wanted to belong to something beyond herself, some kind of movement. Maybe she was uh, very familiar with the Greek religions and, and Zeus and Aphrodite and all the pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses just didn't appeal to her anymore. They were more about power and control and manipulation and she wanted a God or was a attracted to a God of love and grace and forgiveness and not anger. Maybe she was attracted to Christianity because Jesus is a historical figure that people actually knew and listened to. You can go to the geographic places where Jesus walked and talked and healed and did miracles. And she met people who had actually met him. We don't know exactly what got Lydia's attention. Maybe she was longing for a God who cared about her, 
who loved her, who forgave her, and, thought, and taught that all people should be kind to one another, forgiving to one another, loving to one another. Maybe it was that kind of God that's so different from the Roman gods, the Greek gods, that, that got her attention. But whatever it was, she said, I'm in. And when she said, I'm in, she meant it. She was baptized. She was a person of influence. And she tried to influence her. She did influence her household. When she said, I'm in, she said, they're in too. And the whole household was baptized. Lydia was this independent and self-sufficient woman. She was the head of her household, which meant that she was in charge of and had the responsibility of providing food and clothing and work for all of those under her care. They were loyal to her. She was loyal to them. She was a, she was a person who dealt in purple cloth. In the first century, only wealthy people were really associated with purple cloth. They were only, only the royals were even allowed to wear purple. The dye came from a marine mollusk called the murex snail. These snails were found about 250 miles from, from Philippi on the coast of, of Turkey, modern day Turkey, in the area of Theratira, Theratira, however you want to say it. Sometimes I get those, those words and I just want to say, hard word. <laughs> so she was, she was from that area. How do you make this purple dye? It takes thousands and thousands and thousands of little snails to make a little bit of dye. Each snail has a tiny drop of purple dye. And, and the and the people who, who fished for them, who gathered them, they would gather those snails in the fall and winter months and they would keep them alive until they got enough to make a batch of purple dye. It would, uh, it would take like uh, 12,000 little snails to make one and a half grams of dye. They would, take, they would gather those and, and the big ones, they would puncture them and pour them out into this uh, bowl with water in it and smaller ones they would just crush them and then it would the color of the water would be kind of yellow and they would leave it out into the sun until it became purple red dark red purplish and then they would boil it down so it gets concentrated into the dye and I'm told that it smelled really bad <laughs> I can imagine, because my kids, we used to go to the beach, and you know, in the, in the sand, there were these little shell creatures that would dig down in the sand, and my kids would always put those in the bucket, and they wanted them as pets, and we knew it was a bad idea, but they would always end up in the car, and then a couple days later, ooh, it smelled so bad, and I'd be searching for their pets. So Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth. It was real expensive. One pound of purple wool was valued at 1,000 denarii, which it would take a common laborer three years to earn that much money. The emperor was the only one that was allowed to wear a complete purple 
robe or toga. Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth. She was associated with the wealthy, with the high social classes. She took her baptism seriously, but she wanted to test Paul. Do you really mean that even though this was a Jewish religion, a Jewish sect, are we Gentiles really a part of it? If so, why don't you come and stay in our house? Be a part of my household. In other words, she's, Paul is, is going to be, when he moves into her house, on the equal level as she is, because she's the head of the household. Is your God really a God? And are you really believe that men and women are equal, like you preach? Jews and Gentiles are equal, like you preach. And your God cares about healthy and sick people, like you preach. And Paul and Silas and I suspect Luke and others moved into her home and stayed with her while they were in Philippi. And there as they shared stories together and shared their faith together, her whole household grew in the faith. And then she invited other believers and the, and the first church in Philippi was met every week in her church, in her house. And she served them meals and was the leader of this church. As you can tell in the painting, she's breaking bread and giving it to those that have gathered. She was the leader of that church. She became a model like Paul and Silas and others of what it means to be more Christ-like. Anybody here remember the movie Gandhi? Some of us are old enough to remember Gandhi. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but Gandhi was a leader of in, in India and was a very important leader in, in uh, India's history. And, and when in the movie, Ben Kingsley played the role of Gandhi and he wanted to get it right. He was an English actor and he looked very much like Gandhi once he got the makeup and the robe and everything on. And he went to travel to India and he, and he went to places that, that Gandhi liked to go to just so he could kind of get a feel of what Gandhi was like. And he, and he even learned how to, to spin wool um, on a spinning wheel you know, because that's what Gandhi did and have a conversation at the same time. He did all these things so he could get into the character of Gandhi. One day after filming a scene in a village, he, had, he, 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 he got out of his car and, and um, a, a local villager came up and he bowed down and kissed his feet and Ben Kingsley the actor was so embarrassed. He said, no, 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 I, I'm just an actor playing um, Gandhi. The villager said, we know, but through you, he will surely live again. Friends, followers of Christ, we are called to live in such a way that through us, he will live again. People can see Jesus reflected through our lives. 
because we're imitating him. We're doing what he did. We're thinking like Jesus thought. It's through Jesus' followers that Jesus continues to live. Ephesians 4.15 reminds us all to be like Christ in all that we do, how we think, and Jesus will live through us as we are his witnesses. It was at Lydia's house where the Christians met, where they learned to be like Jesus and live like Jesus. She used her influence to spread the gospel. Everybody here has a sphere of influence. What's your sphere of influence? What's your sphere of influence that you could use to be a witness to Christ? Today, we have influencers through media, but you don't have to have lots of followers on Instagram and, and you know, snap face and all those things <laughs> to be an influence. You don't even have to have a Twitter account. I mean, it might, it probably will help. But you have a family, you have, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have neighbors, you have people that you like to play cards with or, or go play disc golf with or, you know, you have, a, you have an influence where you can be an influencer. There'll be times in our lives where we need to be able to share why we are Christians. I want to challenge you to think about why you're a Christian and put it in a hundred words or less, like an elevator speech, so that you're ready. So when somebody asks you, why, why are you a Christian? You, you have a response. You can get out that little note card and say, I am a Christian because... <laughs> or maybe you wouldn't, wouldn't have to do that. You remember that uh, 1 Peter 3, 15, 16 says that we should always be ready to be able to answer someone who asks us about our faith. Always be ready. And when you do it, when you answer it, have gentleness and respect. I don't know about you, but I've seen some folks share their faith without much respect for each other. <laughs> That's not what we're called to do. Lydia opened up her home because that was her sphere of influence. And I suspect she, she invited other people who she knew to know about Jesus as well. But she opened up her home and offered meals and hospitality. Kelly and I were privileged a few years ago to live next door to a missionary couple who were, were for years and years and years were missionaries in Russia. They were of Korean descent, and so um, she, what was funny is, it probably wasn't that funny, but she had, she just had trouble with the Russian language, and I can understand I, that I've been there. You know, I, I, Lithuanian, I, I was getting along okay when I was a missionary to Lithuania, but Russian, you know, I, it's, I wasn't good at it. I could say, header show, very good, but um, it's hard. It's a hard language. And she just had trouble. But she discovered, her husband was a pastor. She, she discovered that she could, if she cooked for Russian people, they would come and eat. 
So every Sunday, she would cook a big meal, and her husband and a leader in the Russian congregation, whoever they invited, would invite others to come, and she would prepare a meal, and they would talk about why they were Christians and share their faith. She provided a table, hospitality. And then another day during the week, they had pastor training meals. I don't know if people really came to be trained or they came for her cooking because it was great. Kelly and I were just humbled to be invited to sit at table and eat the dumplings and the good food that she made. They were in Atlanta at the missionary compound there for United Methodist pastors and missionaries um, because he was recovering from getting beaten up in Moscow. Just walking down the street, he was Asian, and, a, and they don't like Asians there. There's a lot of violence against Asians, and they, he was beaten up and almost died. The Russian doctor said that it was a miracle that he lived. So when he got better, they sent him to Emory in Atlanta, and he came, he and his wife, and we got to know him. What a... What a testimony their lives were. And when he got better, what do you think he did? They went back to Russia. They went back to carry on their ministry of hospitality and preaching and training pastors. What's your sphere of influence? Everybody has one. Pastor Arthur was looking for a sphere of influence and somebody in the congregation was a fireman entered and said you want he was kind of interested in firefighting and fires and and uh, he went to a burning house as he as I think he told me and that was really fascinating they let him go in which probably was crazy <laughs> and he liked it and then he he became a chaplain to the firefighters here in Alabaster and led a bible study every Wednesday morning he expanded his sphere of influence and today I was talking to one of those firefighters at the 830 service that came to our church because of his influence what's your sphere of influence where can where can you make a difference perhaps it's at the park I suspect that today there's a lot of people hiking and talking and maybe that there's a need for a Facebook group of people who like to hike together. And you could go and start a group or be a part of a group, get a group from the church that goes and does that. And, and then while you're there, just have a prayer. Say, anybody need a prayer today? You have any prayer concerns? There's a group of guys who like to play basketball. Their church has a gym, and they just made a little Facebook group that's open to the community. Anybody want to come play basketball at the so-and-so time at this, at this gym? And people who are strangers that don't know them but are looking for a place to play basketball come, and they play together, and then sometime in the game, they, they stop, and they say, we, let's have a prayer together because some of us need praying for and they go around the circle and everybody offers up a prayer concern and they just pray for that person. And if any visitors come, they say, well, you know, you're welcome to come to church with us. We'd love to have you. What's your sphere of influence? Sometimes we have to create spheres of influence. I, there's a church in England on the southern coast of England that, where, where there's, it's very popular to go surfing there. 
And so church would be meeting and there'd, and there'd be a few people in the sanctuary and then they look down there and there's 50 or 100 people out surfing and, and, there's, and families come and they all surf and they, they said, you know, our church is, is dying and we're not reaching these people. What can we do? So they took all the pews out of the church and they brought in tables and chairs and they've got cappuccino machines and coffee machines and little bar thing where, you, where they started serving um, food. They'd serve sandwiches and pizza and stuff. And they, 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 they called it the Surfer's Cafe. And so when families came to, to surf, they'd go down and invite them to come up to the, to the Surfer's Cafe. And while they were there, they got to know him because there were lots of regulars. And they'd say, can we pray for you? And these people who weren't in church, these surfers and their families, they said they got to know each other and share their lives together. And they started praying for each other. And they said, eventually they said, you know, we, we, would it be okay if we had a craft um, and a story with your kids? And the people, they knew each other. So they said, that'd be fine. They said, well, come at, you know, five o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. And they had a craft and a story. And you know what the story was about? It was a Bible story. They call it the Surfer's Church now. And it's revitalized because they have more and more families that come into the church. They share a meal they serve pizza and sandwiches and potato chips and have a craft and stories and prayer. That was their sphere of influence. It was their location that was the secret of this new type of church. I know a teacher who said to some fellow teachers, you know, I need to pray for my students and I, I need help. Would y'all mind praying with me? And they started meeting once a week and praying for their students. What's your sphere of influence? You never know how God is leading you to be a witness in this world. We're all here because some men and women who were founders of the church used their spheres of influence through, and the Holy Spirit to make a difference and to share the gospel. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he writes, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That's all of us. We're all called to be witnesses. Next Sunday evening and all next week and the next Sunday, we're gonna be having these deserting discussions that scared some people because they thought it was gonna be a test. They said, are you gonna test us about the Bible? I'm not coming. It's nothing like that. We're gonna look at what are some of the goals and priorities in the past that this church has looked at and we're gonna look at and we're gonna say, is, are these the goals we want now as, as after we've gone through a pandemic? Are these are still, goal, still the goals we have? And we're gonna look at some of the 
demographics of our community here at Alabaster around the church. And we're going to ask the question, how can we reach this demographic, these people that live around us? How are we doing? Are there any special programs that we can develop that will be our sphere of influence so we can be better witnesses to our community? I hope that you'll sign up and you'll come and we'll talk about it and you'll have some good ideas that we can talk about and implement perhaps in the fall and in the future. Will you pray with me? We give thanks today for all those mothers and fathers of the faith who use their sphere of influence to make a difference. Help us to use ours to imitate you, to live our lives in such a way that others will want to be followers of you as well. Help us as our church meets and discusses and shares ideas so that we can do what you call us to do here in our community. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.